Welcome to the first episode of the Bait Tank Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Johnlick. Sitting with me, we have Kenny Locke. He'll be a co-host from time to time. And I think we're just going to jump straight into it, right? Let's talk about fishing. I'm excited, man. This has been a long time in the making. We've talked about doing a pod for a while here. What made you finally get this whole thing rolling? Yeah, you know, going to some of these like seminars and talking with the guys and really just like getting a thumbprint on the fishing industry, a lot of stories haven't been told. And maybe this is a way we can record that and really shed light on some of those stories. I'd agree, man. Just being one of your good buddies, you know, you have been in the industry for a long time and I really depend on you for knowledge. So it's going to be cool to sit down and get this on record and be able to share with a lot of people. Yeah. And you know, where we go with it, that's one thing that is certain that it's, it's uncertain, right? We don't know if we're going to do internals. We don't know if we're going to do guests on the podcast, do podcasts out of state. I wanted this thing to be international. I want to talk to people all over the world about fishing because at the end of the day, we all same share the same excitement. Yeah, I would agree. But let's start here right now at the table. What got you into fishing or who got you into fishing? Can you give me a little background about yourself? Yeah. So, you know, my earliest memories fishing, you know, goes back to like trout fishing, bass fishing. But where I really got hooked was going on the half day boats with my dad out of Dana Point, right? I would beg him to take me after the very first one. And we're just anchoring up in the kelp. This is, you know, maybe like 2005, 2006 time. And really this big offshore scene wasn't around. And the opportunity to get out on the boat was awesome. I loved every minute of it. Even though my dad didn't even love fishing, he loved taking me. How old were you at this time? Uh, yeah, so 2006, I was probably 11, 12 years old. That's, that's pretty incredible because at 11 or 12 years old, I had been fishing quite a bit with my dad, but it didn't really, I didn't really catch the fever like that to where I was on a half day boat or really even like understand that concept. So from the get go, you were like, this is it. I love this. Oh yeah. I was hooked. I saw the guys up on the bait tank throwing bait and you know, I was maybe let's say 11 years old, they were 15, 16 year old guys working there. And I was like, these guys are the coolest. I need some blue sunglasses. <laughs> I need to stand on a bait tank one day and throw sardines out and anchovies out. Like that's the coolest job in the world. Yeah, that, that is, um, I would say that's pretty unusual to be 11 or 12 years old and get that into it. What was like your first step into getting into it? Did you have like, a, I know your pops used to take you out and he was kind of into it. Did you have another guy that kind of came in and started showing you the ropes and getting you on the water. Cause when you're 12 years old, you're not getting your own boat and going out there at this point. Yeah, no, definitely. The accessibility is a big thing in fishing, right? Whether you live next to a pond or your dad owns a boat and wants to take you out fishing all the time. It's a, it's a factor in what you start doing and you know, where you go with fishing. And I was lucky enough. Uh, my neighbor was a firefighter, right? So he was around a lot of the times and he loved fishing more than anybody I knew. So I'd go over there and I just bug him, right? I'd go over there and talk to him like, Hey, what does this lure do? What's this reel do? You know, go through his boat. I'd be digging through the hatches of his boat and he'd be like, get out of here, kid, you know? <laughs> so yeah, at that point he probably seen, wow, this guy has potential and a real passion for this. And you kind of just worked your way into going out with him. 
Yeah. So the first trip we did, uh, this is probably 2006. This is my first offshore trip. Uh, we launched out of San Diego and kind of the old style of private boat fishing for offshore pelagic species was you launch out of San Diego. We, I remember we left his house at midnight, right? And I can't believe my parents let me go with them first off, right? These are a bunch of firefighters. They're a bunch of just, it's a rowdy group, right? Yeah. And so we left at midnight. You launch at like two o'clock in the morning and you idle out all night, right? You're going 10 knots. And when we woke up, he's like, all right, we're looking for kelp patties. You know, we're putting lures with big reels in the water. We ended up on that trip. I ended up catching my first yellowtail, right? Mm -hmm. Exciting. It was on a spinning reel. <laughs> Big fan of the spinning reels ever since, right? And uh, we ended up catching some albacore. That was when the albacore were around. And what really set the hook for me was I was back there, like, checking the lines, right? And Ben, who is the owner of the boat, the guy that we're talking about, he was like, man, this kid loves fishing. He could tell, like, I was all about it. I was cleaning the boat, doing everything. While my friend that we bought was seasick, laying in the cabin. He'd wake up. You know, if we had a fish on, he'd reel it in. He didn't get the bug. It yeah. was definitely two different trips. Even though it was the same trip, it was two different trips. One was, I'm all in. I love fishing. It's amazing. He was like, I'm never going fishing again. Fishing is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, because I would say as Ben, probably he's looking at you guys and you know, one thing that he dreads is probably taking a 12-year-old on a boat that's seasick and he's really weighing down the trip because you don't probably get that many opportunities to get out, you know, on the water all the time and to have to bring it back in because you got to do just down and out in the cabin would be a real bummer. Yeah. For him to take me out was, was really cool of him, you know, and I went out with him on that first trip. We did a couple trips that summer and then October rolled around and he told my parents, he's like, Hey, we're going down to Baja. We're going to do a, a five day trip down to Baja. Can Drew come? Right. And I begged my parents to go. <laughs> they had to write a letter uh, so that I could cross the border with them. Like, hey, my son is not being trafficked. This is, you know, we consent to him taking him to Mexico is, is pretty funny. Yeah. Shout out to your parents, because not a lot of people would let a, you know, 12, 13 year old take a multiple day trip down to Baja, Mexico to go fish with some rowdy firefighters. Yeah, so we ended up trailering down to San Quentin, which is still one of my favorite places to go. And uh, I, that's where I fell in love with fishing in Baja. I was like, man, when I start driving, I'm hooking a boat up. I'm coming down here. I'm fishing down here. This place is amazing, right? So fast forward. Now you get your license. You're able to drive. That's kind of when I met you. We were big on the float tubes body fishing, but we'll kind of skip that for now. What was your first set of wheels and your first boat that got you on the water, able to fish on your own? Yeah, so I actually had my first boat before I had my license to drive, right? Uh, we met this guy at a grocery store and we started talking fishing. One thing that's cool about fishing is you can relate to, if you're a 20 year old kid that loves fishing or a 15 year old kid that loves fishing, you can relate to a 90 year old guy that loves fishing. It's the same excitement, right? Everybody loves doing that same thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we met this guy at the grocery store and he goes, Hey, I have an aluminum boat out in my field. If you dig it out, you can have it. He just straight up said, You could take this boat like no cost. Yeah. So he lived out by Lake Matthews and uh, my dad took me out there one Saturday. 
And, you know, the guy was older and we dug that boat out and I was so, I was proud. Oh right? yeah. Yeah. I was, I, this thing was like, you have a vessel. Uh, this is my vessel. I'm going to sea. Right? <laughs> so the first test run, my uncle gave us a, like a three horsepower off his dinghy and, uh, we took it to Lake Paris and I yanked on that motor to start for hours trying to get this thing going right what kind of motor was it it was an old johnson you know some like 90s johnson that had sat in his shed for a long time we ended up having the wrong fuel connector but i'll always remember like we backed the boat into the water and i'm looking down at the tires and i tell my dad i was like hey i think there's a leak in the tire the tire's bubbling Uh uh-huh so we end up we you know he pulls the boat out and the tire from sitting out in that field was so rock hard it didn't even have air in it. That just the tire was hard enough to trailer the boat. Yeah, because it's a little aluminum boat, so you're you know you have no weight on the thing. Yeah, it was it was hilarious, and you know we had a bunch of fun with that boat. We ended up like building a deck on it, and you know fishing spotties later on, and we'd go fish the break wall, and that's where my local fishing really I was excited about it. Right. Yeah. So you took this boat put some money into it. And then at that point realize I'm going to be broke for the rest of my life because I'm going to keep buying boats and buy all this fishing gear. Yeah. We had four different motors on that boat throughout the <laughs> life. We fished a tournament in Newport on that boat where our motor went out like first thing in the morning and we were a hundred percent certain we could win this tournament, which there was zero chance that we were going to win. So I call my uncle, I go, Hey, we're fishing a tournament. We're getting towed in just past the dunes. Can I take your other motor off your dinghy? Right, it's a couple years later. Uh-huh. Can I take your good motor and uh, finish this tournament? And he's like, absolutely. So now there's three of us on this boat, a giant cooler that we made into a live well. This is a 14-foot aluminum boat, right? Yeah. There's three of us on this boat, more tackle than you need for an eight-day trip. <laughs> and now we have my 15-horsepower motor laying on the deck uh, inside the boat. And then we got my uncle's six horsepower on the back and we ended up fishing the tournament and, uh, we finished and we didn't even get close, but it was awesome. Yeah. So that really just cultivated the whole passion and love for fishing. So if we speed it up now, where do you stand today in the fishing world? Yeah. So I would say my, I'm definitely in the fishing less, uh, than I, I have been in the past. But it's cool. I get to choose when I want to go out, right? So right now what I'm doing is like, you know, it's almost like a semi-guided trip for these guys that want to go out and catch these bluefin. I mostly run out of Newport Harbor. Most of my guys are in Newport, and it's just day rate stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's like my little fun project, right? It's cool. I get to run some really cool boats. I get to fish with tackle that, you know, I may never be able to afford. And just it's awesome because – seeing other people catch fish. I'm not tied to a charter boat, mm-hmm. right? I'm not nailed down. I have to go every single day. I get to go when I want. It's awesome. And like I said, they're really cool boats. Yeah. I, uh, personally have seen these boats and can verify that they are some top of the line boats that you're fishing on and some top of the line gear that you're using. And it's pretty amazing. Like to go from an aluminum boat that you got for free in a field to let's say a decade later being where you're at now. I mean, you've, this has been a constant in your life that you've just stuck with. Like you've never taken a break. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I have worked other jobs and done other things, but I've always come back to the water, right? Fishing has always been my number one priority, even when I was working other jobs, which, you know, may not be the best of things. <laughs> but it got you where you're at now. Yeah, it got me where, at, where I'm at now. You know, I got my captain's license in 2014, 2015 uh, era. And then, you know, all the experience that I've led up to that um, really came full circle when I got my new job. I'm a full-time captain on a 76 Sunseeker and it's not a fishing boat, right? We don't fish, but if I didn't have that previous experience of drive and wanting to drive these boats and you know, all the different things that I've done, I never would have got this opportunity. Yeah. And I would say that your current position as a captain right now allows you the time to also get on the water for personal use and guiding these other fishermen to go get these big bluefin and go get these, you know, just these awesome fishing experiences. Yeah. What's really fun is, you know, the one day fishing thing, let's say we leave at 6am and we want to definitely be back before dark. We don't, the big fish game is, is it's sometimes in our wheelhouse, but most of the time we want to chase foamers, right? I would say my specialty in this bluefin era is chasing those foaming fish, uh, you know, maybe some kelp patty fishing. A lot of these newer style boats don't have a big enough bait capacity to really get a good bait stop going. So it's fun. I mean, you give up a lot of things, right? We give up the bait, but we have the speed or vice versa, you know? So it's, it's fun. It's different, uh, different aspects of fishing. I feel like a lot of guys are really hung up on that big kite stuff, which is awesome. We do that too sometimes, but we really love the foamer fishing that's around. Yeah. You took me the other day and a little bit about myself. I'm pretty green in the fishing game. You know what I mean? Like I'm calico bass bodies, just kind of like haven't ever ventured into the big stuff. And the other day when we went out, man, getting to see you work and get me hooked up on my first bluefin, which was what, 15, 20 pounds. It was incredible, man. I had a blast. And the cool thing was, was how stoked you were for me. Like you, obviously we took, you took me out on your boat. You told me how to set up and it, it was crazy. It was like clockwork. We dropped down, like, what was it? Fly lining. We were 20 pound fly line. Yeah. And dude, I was so pumped up and that was, you know, you you made me the priority at that point. Yeah. It definitely doesn't always work out that great, right? <laughs> you don't always get, get to, you know, wait, you don't, always get those no 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 we had a good stretch for a while we had a we had a great stretch for a while but i mean you know it's sometimes especially like fishing which they call beach fishing right which is like the inside banks and all that stuff where the foam opportunity has really showed itself well some days some days you get out there and you were out there say you were out there the day before and it was everywhere it could be 10 miles from there and you're like, no, seriously, guys, I was out here yesterday. You should have seen it. It's incredible. I've preached that more than once. Right. But at the end of the day, everybody wants to go out there and have a good time. And I'd say that's my main priority. Getting people on fish is, is always a high priority, but having a good time, having fun with the guys and letting them really enjoy their boat. Because if you're an owner of a boat, you don't get to fish that much. Right. Yeah. You're always driving. You're always looking your passengers are you know they're having a great time right they're crushing beers they're relaxing they're taking a nap down in the cabin whatever a lot of the times like if you go out on your own boat you are 
you know, the guy that decides your destiny for that day. And, Mm. you know, come back to the podcast, maybe we can share some tips and you can really enjoy your, um, day on the water and maybe get yourself a little more set up. So when you get that opportunity, you can capitalize on it. Yeah. I was excited that this all went through and it's green light. It's go that you want to start making content surrounding fishing, because honestly, man, since that trip, I have been just like scouring the internet, listening to different podcasts, watching different YouTube videos, trying to learn on my own so that when we do go out there, I'm not as dependent on you to, you know, tie my stuff up, tell me what to use or show me, you know, where to throw this, this bait fish. And, you know, I think that by us sitting down and recording this, people could gain a lot of knowledge and, you know, hopefully put that in their arsenal for when they go out. Yeah. There's nothing that's going to replace like time on the water, right? That's the whole thing. Oh, time on the water. You got to go out there and fail, fail, fail. But Hey, maybe you're out there one day and you're like, anchored on a spot and you're like, Oh man, the current's going this way. I think I should be at this spot if the current's going that way. And maybe it'll turn someone's day around and they get to catch a fish. Like, that's awesome, man. So also too, like the current state of fishing, it hasn't always been like this, right? Like, I mean, I remember in like 2018, someone telling me like fishing will never be this good ever again. And it's kind of stayed that good. Right. But back when you first got into fishing, you weren't like, going out there just whacking them like this, were you? No, I mean, you know, going back to those first couple trips and, you know, the first couple years that I was fishing, it was, you know, someone caught a yellowtail. It's like, that's crazy. Yellowtails are, they're awesome, you know? So it was a big deal and, you know, the albacore and stuff. And I'm sure there's guys that were more dialed and really whacking them at the time. But, you know, coming into 2015, that was the time where I was coming to, you know, kind of coming of age of, not only the freedom, I had a job, I was able to, you know, get out more. I spent every dollar I had on boats and fishing rods and tackle and, you know, fuel. And that's really where I learned a lot. And it was cool because there's a lot of opportunity. So once you got done with the aluminum boat, you know, that boat most likely ran its course. What did you jump into next? Because at that point, like you're saying, now you're working. When I met you, I have you to this day saved in my phone as West Marine Drew, just because I remember meeting you and you told me, yeah, I work at West Marine. So is that when you got more money and kind of more freedom to get the bigger gear, get the new boat and get out, you know, past the break wall? Yeah. So I had a lot of help, right? Um, Mark, shout out Mark Kamei, right? He gave me a couple of rods and reels that were his old setups, like old seekers and old sea lines. And I was like, man, I'm dialed. I can go, I could jump on an eight day right now and go out there and whack them. But, you know, and I carry that with me today. Like any old gear that I don't use, I'll take down to Baja. I'll give to the kids at the Balbo angling club. And I think that's awesome. Like, cause I remember the excitement I'd organized the jigs. I tell my mom, Hey, I need a little polish. I got to polish up these uh, surface irons here. You know, it's got a little <laughs> rust on here. I got to clean these up, but yeah, I, my first job was at West Marine and I was working there one day uh, while I was going to college and a guy came in and talked about his lodge up in Alaska and he we talked for a bit, talked fishing, all this stuff. And he ended up offering me a job in Alaska uh, for the summer and I had just graduated high school. I was enrolled in college. So as soon as I 
could. It was like a month later, he met my parents. I think I was 17 at the time he met my parents and made sure this wasn't like some kind of scam, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they paid for my ticket. I had to work off the payment of the ticket, um, you know, my first couple of weeks there and went up to Alaska. I was in Southeast Alaska working at a lodge and that was an awesome experience for a young guy, right? I learned how to work hard. We cut plenty of fish. I was like the only, like, I started off as like a dock hand, right? I was just like around. So we had charter boats and then we had um, self-guided, they call it, right? It's like 18 foot skiffs guys could take out. And it was cool because I got to really work on my people skills, talking with different walks of life, different people. We had some crazy people come through and accidents and, you know, we're, we're really self-sufficient. We're out, we're 50 miles from the nearest town. So we were out in the middle of nowhere. We had to make our own water, all powers, ran off generator. It was a really cool experience. Yeah. You probably grew up pretty quick being down there. I mean, you're 17 going on 18 in Alaska working a fishing charter job. I mean, when I was 17, 18 years old, I was working at Home Depot, I think, pushing shopping carts. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember my first day I, I get out there and I had my gear all packed. And we, when he picked me up from the airport, we, you know, from the dock going out to the lodge, like I said, we're 50 miles from the nearest town. So we're way out there, right? And I remember we get there and he's like, hey, uh, unpack. You got to go out there and chop wood so that we can you know, have a fire later tonight. I'd never chop wood before. Right? I, I've never You're done like, wait, anything. wait, why don't we just... Turn up the heater on the thermostat. Yeah, exactly. Right. So uh, I take out my extra tough boots out of the box, right, that I flew them in up there with. I take them out. And my first day, I slip with the axe, cut a hole in my like, right boot right between my <laughs> toes. I'm lucky I didn't lop my toe off the first day. And I worked that whole summer and I had one wet foot the entire summer from the hole. I tried <laughs> taping it. I tried gluing it, all this stuff. But just an awesome experience and you know seeing some of those fish and the way those guys fish i took what i learned from here right calico bass fishing and took it up there and you know we catch black bass which are like basically like picture like a black calico mm -hmm. and i was like when the weedless came out i was fishing weedless i was fishing surface iron and it was awesome because like i was by myself in a skiff 18 years old i had a couple hours a day where it's like free reign of a boat and i could just go do whatever i want it was incredible yeah, I uh, recently had went back on your Instagram and seen some of those Alaska pictures with you and one of our other buddies. Uh, his name's Corey. And dude, there's a picture of you guys holding up like this crazy huge halibut. I mean, it. Uh, how much does that thing even weigh? Yeah, so I, I think the one you're talking about, it's like around like 250. And our area, you know, they catch them a lot bigger in Alaska. But for us, that was like a trophy fish. And it was cool. It was like, I think it was our last day or two of fishing before we went home. So we got to take home all this meat back to our families. One of the owners, the, the owner's brother actually worked for Alaska. So we could mail fish home at any time. And I remember calling my dad like a month into my first year. And I was like, hey, dad, you got to go down to the airport. There's going to be five boxes and you're going to have to buy a freezer. You're getting 250 pounds of fish coming home. Uh, and you got to freeze it all for me. I'll be back in like three months. And my dad's like freaking out. Right. <laughs> well, I got to buy a freezer. I got to, I was like, Hey, I'll pay for the freezer, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Just go, just go pick up this fish for me. And it was, it was awesome. Like, you know, I came back that summer and with just a wad of cash. First thing I did is I bought a 15 foot whaler 
I had that <laughs> boat for a couple of years. It was, it was one of my favorite boats I've ever had, right? And jumping from the aluminum boat to the whaler was such an upgrade. We could fish offshore. We could go out past the break wall, fish, you know, fish the kelp lines. We fished a lot out of Long Beach, PV. We'd run it to Catalina on some nice days, some not so nice days coming back. And it was just, it was an awesome boat. So that 15 foot whaler granted you access to start fishing these different, you know, different styles of fishing, right? Yeah. You learned about like drifts. You learn about, you know, at the time I didn't really, we just pulled to a kelp, uh, spot of kelp and just start casting swim baits. Right. And it was later on, it took a, a couple years to say like, oh, okay, Hey, here's like a leading edge of the kelp currents coming this way. Let's set up up here. It seems like you know, I hear, I heard other guys talking about setting up on the front of the kelp. I could never find the front of the kelp, but we did our best and, you know, we caught a lot of fish on the boat. It was really fun. Yeah. That's, I remember that time frame pretty well. And because I, I remember being really into, you know, me and you would hang out and we'd fish spotties and calicos and stuff. And then I can vividly remember you taking that next step and me being like, whoa, taking that next step is a lot more and you know you have to have a better boat and better fishing gear and i didn't have any of that at the time i didn't really start fishing a little more with you until you got your next boat which was an amazing boat and that was the cabo right yeah so i had a couple boats in between that i just like flipped and sold and i've i've probably owned a dozen boats in my lifetime um some i wish i didn't sell some Na I, name one that that i wish i didn't sell yeah I had this awesome Boston Whaler Revenge, right? It's almost like a cuddy cabin. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like an outrage hole. It's like a 22 foot outrage hole with like a little cuddy, a walk through the windows. You can walk up there to cast. I had this awesome thing and I bought it for like six grand, right? Yeah. The guy's like, yeah, the motor's toast on it. But I was still like, oh, this hole's awesome. It's rock solid. I'm going to do something with it. And like a week later, a guy offered me a bunch of cash for it and I had to sell it. And I was just like, yeah, that's a $40,000 COVID boat nowadays. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah, the Cabo is such a great boat for us. We bought it um, out in Lake Elsinore, of all places. It was mm -hmm. like on a lot in Lake Elsinore. And uh, I was partners on that boat with our buddy Howie. Did you have to dig it out? No, we didn't have to dig that one out. <laughs> it wasn't free either. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, we we fully rewired that boat. We took it down to the stringers, put a new tank in it put a new Yamaha 200 on it. And that again was our next level, right? We had taken yeah. the, uh, 15 foot Boston whaler down to Baja a couple of times. Um, and you have the range to fish for a day, but you had to pull it out to fuel it every night. The wind comes up, you're ducking in, you know, you're not running out to the outer islands. Once we got the Cabo down there, it was game on. Really? It was so much fun. And that boat was, you could easily, you could easily fish four people on there comfortably. Mm -hmm. Everybody had a seat. We had a little bit of shade. We were, we were high styling in that boat. Yeah, that, that was a great boat. I was actually really sad to see it go just because we had some great times on that thing. Well, let's talk about the boats we have now. All right. The boat I have now is a 10 foot inflatable. So I'm not going to talk too much about that. <laughs> what do you have? Um, so we ended up selling the Cabo recently and we got out of it. Uh, I ended up taking the cash and how he got a 15 foot Radden with a full cabin on it. Mm -hmm. We call it the mini rocket ship. 
It's <laughs> awesome. It's got like a new 70 on it. It's a super fun boat. Is that because every time you hit a big wave, it takes off into the sky like a rocket? No, every time we hit a big wave, my head hits the roof of the pilot house <laughs> like a rocket. That's the real reason. But uh, no, so we have that. And then uh, over the course of the last like year or so, I redid, uh, I got a 26 foot striper that had a brand new uh, 300 on it, right? The guy crashed into the rocks. It was kind of like a total loss for the guy. He's older. He didn't want to deal with it. And I did basically what I did with the Cabo. And I think that's a great way for guys to get into boats is like, you don't have to go down to a boat dealership and buy a brand new boat and it'd be perfect. Putting a little like, you know, equity of your own work into a boat, you can make it pretty awesome, right? Yeah. I, I ended up being pretty happy with the striper. It has everything I need. It's got a 65 gallon blue water on it. It's a full transom bracket outboard. If you know what you're looking for, you can find like a nice little project boat and, you know, six to a year, six months to a year later, you end up with a pretty awesome boat. Yeah. So, I mean, you just kept, you didn't start at the top. You literally just step by step from aluminum to 15 foot whaler to the Cabo to the striper have just worked your way up and gotten to a place where you're comfortable now and have a great boat to fish on. I mean, I love the striper. That thing is a, an awesome boat. It's fun. It's super fast. It carries enough fuel to go fish offshore. It's got the cabin. It's got a little bathroom, but we're definitely not on the top. It's not where I want to be. I'm already looking for my next project boat. I don't know what that is. I'm looking at boats in Florida, like a 30 foot center console. Mm. I think that's where the industry is going is to these like go fast boats. Cause the 10 knot deal of going out all night long, going there when you could leave at seven, mm. get a good night's sleep, leave at seven. And then you're still back by 5 PM, 4 PM. And you went offshore all day. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, because that's what you do with some of your clients that have these boats that just haul, right? You could just cover ground fast. Yeah, we call them the we call them the go fast boats, mm -hmm. right? They have, you know, let's say, for instance, one has quad four hundreds, right? The amount of fuel you burn in those boats is insane. We've yeah. got it up to like one hundred and thirty gallons an hour, mm -hmm. which is like two gallons a minute. Wow, you know, try, picture a one gallon gas tank. You pour it out in a minute. And that's, yeah, you're you're just throwing money, but you'd have some bankroll to do that. Yeah, you got to You got it. And it's really fun. It, yeah. It, part of the experience of going on those boats is just going fast like that. It's a mm -hmm. new ocean, right? If you're you're at a spot and it's not looking at say you did your research and hey, there's a temp break here. We want to fish this area. We think there's fish here and you get out there and there's nothing and you have to make a 20 mile move. That go fast boat could be what saves your day, right? You're you can get yourself into a whole new area, whole new water or it's crowded. Hey, let's boogie out. Let's go 10 miles up this way. And more times than not, we go away from the big group or we go away from where we don't like, we end up finding fish. Yeah. I mean, I guess it would be like driving on the freeway without traffic, right? Like you could just, you could just go. You don't have to really worry about it. Yeah. So what's really cool too, with like the sea keeper and the sea keeper ride systems, mm -hmm. it really like stabilizes the boat, right? For guys that don't fish a lot or guys that don't get out a lot of, on a boat a lot uh you know a lot of the my clients like to bring friends and if we were on like my boat they would be miserable mm -hmm. right they don't, they don't get on the water they don't, they're not used to that feeling but because we're on this go fast boat it's awesome like they're even if they're feeling like a little bit seasick you just like open up the sunroof punch it everybody's having a good time again <laughs> yeah they have crazy stereo systems it's it's really fun 
Yeah, I have not been on that boat with you, but I've been to the dock and seen it, and it's it's a beauty, man. That thing is definitely next level. But we're still young. We're not two old guys sitting here. You're what are you, Drew? I'm 28. Yeah, so you still got a ways to go. Like you're still working your way up that ladder. You have a lot lot of time ahead of you. Yeah, and like I said, I'm hoping to get something in that like 30 foot class. It's probably the next boat probably won't be doing the Baja trips. We'll probably revert back to getting a uh, skiff, but it all, it all comes full circle. Just like fishing kind of comes full circle. You know, maybe we don't have this big bluefin stuff around and we're back fishing the islands and making those long runs again. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, so overall the goal of the podcast, um, would you say is to just share knowledge build a community and let these stories get out there. I mean, like, I love it. Like me and you're a really good buddy. So it's kind of just like sitting down. It's like a boy's pod, you know, just me and you rapping back and forth. Yeah. So, you know, I really want it to be fun. I want it mm-hmm. to be fun to listen to Right. If I'm not having fun doing, it, I'm not going to force myself to do this and everything, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You know, some of the guys I've been talking to to get on the podcast, are guys that the average angler doesn't have access to, mm-hmm. right? You may see them at a tackle shop or you may, you know, see them on Instagram or a lot of things, but, you know, to talk with them firsthand and really like get the knowledge firsthand, like these guys are willing to share it too, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. wanting, you know, whether it be like your secret rockfish spot, they're not going to give up their secret rockfish mm-hmm. spot, but everybody wants to talk fishing. It's one thing a fisherman has in common is like, like I said earlier, you see a guy with like a Bass Pro hat. You're like, uh, either he drives a squatted truck or he loves fishing. Yeah, fishing is universal, right? Like all around the world, everyone knows what a fishing pole is pretty much. It's, you know, whether it's saltwater, freshwater, there's most likely, most people have had an experience with fishing in their life, I'd say. Yeah, and, you know, hopefully we get to capture some of those from a lot of guys that maybe haven't been on podcasts before, so... Like I said, this is our first podcast, so bear with us a little bit, but it's it's going to be a, a fun ride, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, and even if they have been on a podcast before or on, on another fishing platform, I think that your perspective is you know, going to be a lot different. Like You have some pretty unique questions and a real cool style, and the way that you, the way that you see fishing and the water is way different than like the average guy like myself. Yeah. And one thing I want to do too, is like, especially during summer months or when we're out fishing, we pretty much fish year round. Right. Mm -hmm. I want to give, you know, whether it's like a weekly podcast, but every time I do a podcast, I'll do a little bit of an update of like what I'm doing, where I'm fishing, how we're catching them or how we're not catching them, where they were a week ago, you know, um, just kind of go through that. Like, you know, to kind of kick that off, we're doing lobster right now. Um, I mainly fish up North for lobster and, it's been a little bit different season where they had a closure uh, in the beginning of the season, but we're starting to figure it out. We're starting to, you know, put some decent numbers up when we go out. So our biggest this year is about six and a half pounds, mm-hmm. which last year in the beginning of the season, it was really, really good. Like we were putting the boat back on the trailer at eight o'clock and this year's a little different, but you know, we'll dial it in and figure it out. Yeah. You took me, for my first lobster trip last week and dude, it was a ton of fun. Like you've been doing this for a long time. Like since I met you, that was kind of 
your deal is lobster season. You were out like what, four nights a week working charters and man, it, it was a ton of fun just doing the hoop net stuff. Like I had never done that before. Yeah. So in 2015, uh, that guy, Ben, that we were talking about earlier, uh, he said, Hey, I want to do charters. I'm looking to retire and that's going to be like my little retirement gig. And you know, what ended up happening was I was his deckhand, right? I was his go-to guy. So I deckhand for him. He also had a 26 foot striper with a tower and you know, the whole nine. So, I mean, it was a stretch for a four pack. Uh, it was a small boat to fish, but the guys that we met and it was, it was an awesome experience. We ran that till like 2018. And I guess at, you know, at the beginning we just did offshore fishing cause it was so good in 2015, 2016, it was, it was easy. It was, it was fun, right? It was profitable. Mm-hmm. We could fish right offshore and, you know, we're 10 miles out of Dana point limits of yellowfin is amazing. Mm-hmm. But winter came around and we started looking at hoop netting and he had always dove. I had started diving at that point and we started, uh, doing some hoop net stuff and we ended up running that ended up taking over, right? We started hoop netting charters. We ran out of rainbow Harbor in long beach, uh, right by yard house there. And we did that for like four solid years of, like you're saying, four to five nights a week, running over to the island and fishing the front side of Catalina, you know, experimented with that deep stuff. And it was really, really good when we first started doing it. And it was, it was a ton of fun. Yeah. And probably a great learning experience as well. Yeah. I mean, I, we broke down out there. I broke down <laughs> with clients on the boat is, you know, it's not fun. It's like, and it's, that. That's one thing that I want to say is that I hope we jump into some just stories on the water that don't, you know, may not involve catching a fish or anything like that. But just those stories that when you're sitting around with like your three best buddies and you're telling these, you know, man, we broke down or we, you know, reeled them in and we said, let's go to Catalina and have some fun. Like, I love that kind of banter. And I love those stories as well, because that's the other side of fishing. You know what I mean? Like. Sometimes when, uh, when you get to go, just spend the time with your friends on the water fishing and you don't have a care in the world, like that's some of the best times, man. Yeah. That's how I got my first like real, like captain job. That wasn't like charter fishing. Right. I, uh, we took out the 15 foot whaler. It's me and a good friend, Lauren, and we're fishing at the brake wall, running the trolling motor off the main battery, ran it dead, <laughs> called towboat, Right. Uh-huh. And now he's a good friend. Mike came out and he towed us back in and we we're talking with them. When we got back to the docks, like two o'clock in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. He was like over it. Yeah. But he was like, yeah, if you had your captain's license, I think this was 2014. He's like, if you had your captain's license, I'd hire you on the spot. And that motivated me. I was like, man, I need to get a captain's license. Yeah. Right. Say no more. Yeah. So I ended up going through the whole classes, all that stuff down in San Diego I called him like six months later and I was like, Hey, I got my captain's license. I'm ready. And he's like, well, I don't have any spots for you. <laughs> I was like, Oh man. Uh, but he called me about a month later and, uh, ended up working at Tobo Yos Long Beach with all those guys. And hopefully they jump on the podcast. We have a lot of super fun stories of just, you know, crazy weather, broken boats, some of the crazy stuff we saw out there in the middle of the night. And, you know, yeah. When you were working for Tobo, that was some of my favorite phone conversations with you, you would get off and you know, you would drive home and call me and I'd be like, what happened today? No way that thing sunk or, you know, who'd you rescue? Um, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, people that are distressed out there that you guys helped. 
Yeah, and it was fun because when we weren't working, right, when there's nothing to do, we're out spotty fishing, we're out fishing the break wall. If you see those guys in tight by the break wall, they're not looking for a boat, right? They're bass fishing. They're all <laughs> fishermen. But, you know, yeah. it's it's just that common bond of fishing goes back to it. So I'm excited to share those stories too. Yeah, it's going to be a good time, man. I think that we have endless things to talk about and just if you dig deep into your contacts, you could have a lot of great people on this podcast that could share some knowledge and some great experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And we're excited. And I think this was a great episode to kind of give, you know, maybe down the line, we have a hundred episodes back or a hundred episodes out and people can go back to this first episode and like, who is this? You know, yeah, who are these two goofy who's guys? This, who's this Kenny Carp guy? <laughs> <laughs> I've never caught a carp for the record. <laughs> But uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, we did start an Instagram for the podcast. It's uh, on Instagram. It's Bait Tank Podcast. And we'll be available on Spotify. We'll be available on Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to a podcast and you use a different form, shoot us a DM on Instagram. We'll put it up on all platforms, you know, and really spread the word. Yeah. And if you really want to pump the boys up, you know, and I mean, literally, if you could write us a review, let us know how we're doing, man. I mean, we're, I'm nervous. This is my first pod I've ever done. So getting some feedback would be pretty awesome. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Bait Tank Podcast.